1: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Wisconsin. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden, the founder of Brewhoop.com. And Frank, uh, I, just another day where we're, we're at the end of the NBA schedule, and you know we're kind of looking at how things will go. And the Milwaukee Bucks are officially in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean,
0: uh, we've been kind of a, you know, obviously assuming it, it would happen for a while here. The East is is different from the West in that the West is, I mean, two, two good teams, uh, two good teams that may have better records than Milwaukee Bucks uh, are likely going to miss the playoffs in the West. So there is a ton to play for in the West. In the East, obviously, much more about playoff seeding. Um, very little question for a while now that the Bucks would make the playoffs. Um, but the big question, obviously, you know, are they going to finish eighth? Are they going to finish seventh and maybe get the Celtics um, or, or maybe even possibly get the sixth spot. Um, And again, that theoretically is probably the Cavs, but um, could also be Philly who just continues to win games. So definitely a lot, uh, a lot likely to kind of change and move around here over the last week of the season. Um, But, you know, you're looking at that schedule, man, Bucks got kind of that West coast road trip out of the way. Got, you know, the second-ranked team in the East out of the way last night with a win against the shorthanded Celtics. And, you know, I mean, hey, I I, I said 45 or 46 wins coming into the season. I said 45 Ooh. or 46 wins when Joe Prenti took over for Jason Kidd. And uh, they have a pretty good shot at 45 yeah. or 46 wins. I mean, do I trust the Bucks to win their last four games and go on a five-game winning streak into the playoffs? Absolutely not! <laughs> that would be so un-Milwaukee Bucs-like, but... Um, you know, can they win three out of four? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and certainly looking at the, the names on the schedule, especially with the uh, Sixers possibly not having anything to play for. Again, they may be in a dogfight under the last day for that third spot. But, um, yeah, it certainly is a, a chance for the Bucks to, you know, go out and finish strong. And, uh, you know, again, uh, you, you think about the records the Milwaukee Bucks have had over the last 2025 20, years, um, you know they had obviously the 52 win season, the only 50 win season in the 2001 season. Um, that's the only 50 win season. The next best season was the 46 win team in the Fear of the Deer run. So, I mean, if they went out, and again, I'm like jinxing everything here, but <laughs> if they went out, uh, I mean, they can actually match that team. Which, again, especially given how tumultuous the season has been, um, how much hand wringing there's been, how much frustration there's been. Um, you know, I think that obviously would be a, a pretty satisfying way to end the year to to go out on a, a nice little streak, and um, you know, match. Maybe, maybe it's a low bar, but to match, uh, you know, the second best Bucks record of the last, you know, what twenty five years uh, that that would be that would be
1: okay. It's something that I'm guessing you didn't see because you are like back to work and not on paternity leave anymore. But one of the things I I was kind of talking with people on Twitter about today was that it it's strange listening to national folks talk about the bucks at this point uh just because the Bucks are very interesting to everyone at this moment. And we'll talk a little bit about all of that coming up here in a little bit when we talk about Tim Bontemps and his article with Briar Parker, but Bontemps and Nick Friedel, uh record a podcast. Our, our friends at the open floor at sports illustrated Ben Goliver and Andrew Sharp uh, talked about the Bucks and uh, coaching possibilities for them today. Uh, and you've just heard, I mean, Zach Lowe and Howard Beck were talking about them last week and it's just been interesting to kind of hear now, as as I think national folks are trying to figure out this team. I, I, it feels like they're trying to figure out exactly kind of what this Bucks team is all about. Like it, it was clear that most national folks were probably a little bit late to figuring out that Jason Kidd was bad for this Bucks team. And then since they knew that Jason Kidd was bad for this Bucks team, that it was okay. Jason Kidd's gone now. And that means the Bucks are going to start playing better. And then when they see that they're pretty much the same team, for some reason there's just a, this strange dissonance that uh, automatically come. There's some sort of compulsion to start to say, "Oh, well, then the Bucks must they must not be that talented. Like they, they, they must not have enough talent on that team. It, it's just Giannis and a bunch of guys that aren't any good." And uh, I've heard that I've heard that opinion shared now. From a bunch of these national guys over the last couple of weeks, and I just got to say, like you just mentioned 46 wins, 45 wins, whatever it ends up being. That will be an improvement from last season. And in this season, they had bad injury luck. I don't know if you want to say it's terrible injury luck, but I feel like... It, pretty significant injury bad injury luck in not having Jabari Parker for the start of the season losing Mirza Mirza for a career-ending injury uh losing Malcolm Brogdon for roughly uh, I think it's going to end up being probably 30 games uh losing Matthew Delvadova for 20-ish games having Giannis miss some games because of his knee they've had bad injury luck and on top of that they've had some of the the league's worst schemes, offensively and defensively, and they fired their coach mid-season, and they're still going to end up with 45 wins. Like, if you need a bigger indication of them having enough talent, I don't know what it could be, right? Like to go through all of those things, you better have some talent on your roster because otherwise. that's the most inexplainable miracle i've ever thought of uh, being able to win that many games with having that many things go wrong like there there's a a bunch of talent on this team and uh, i guess uh, today i was just kind of thinking through like it's it's kind of amazing that they're going to end up with 45 wins despite being being a mess for the entire season
0: yeah well first off um we should all be very aware that that it was Eric Name who apparently is now banking 45 wins from the Milwaukee Bucks. So um, <laughs> if uh, if the Bucks like you know go two and two over the last four games and you know break our hearts some Frank, more, Frank, you know
1: was- I do edit this podcast, right? I can go back no, to when you said 46 wins just 30 seconds ago and.
0: Well, I alluded I can, to that oh, being possible. Oh, you know, I didn't okay. say I didn't say like, oh. oh, this team, you know, it's amazing. This team's going to win forty-five games, <laughs> um, which you just did like twice. So anyway, okay, we're like okay. tempting fate. We're going against like everything that this podcast stands for. hashtag Never trust the Bucks. Um, but you know, it's it's obviously in play. I think we would agree. It's forty-five wins, forty-six wins. Those those are those are in play. Yes. Um. And and yeah, I mean, I think. And again, maybe if we confronted the Nick Firdels of the world with. You know, the arguments you just put forth, they would say something like, well, yeah, but I mean, 45 wins, you're not like, you know, you're not competing for a conference championship or whatever. It's like, well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> again, like, that's not, that's not, I don't think that's the bar. I mean, I think if you kind of give the Bucks a, I don't know, top 10 coach, I don't know who that would be. But, you know, if the Bucks had not Jason Kidd and everything that, you know, we know about, you know, the Jason Kidd era. Um if you had started over last summer with, you know, whoever picked pick some top ten coach who was actually pretty good. Um I mean, wouldn't you expect to win high forty, fifty <laughs> fifty you know, fifty games, something like that? I mean seventh
1: um, and nineteenth. Offense is seventh and defense is nineteenth, with, with schemes that it's it's a consensus, right? They're bad. Like uh, there's no there's no there's dissenting no, there's opinion no left,
0: that, right? Yeah, there's no argument that like the Bucks are maximizing anything, right? No. Um and and yeah I mean if 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 the Bucks get 50 wins I mean the the Cavs are at the Cavs have 48 wins with you know four games left the Sixers are similarly at 48 wins with four games left and they're the 3-4 seeds right now. So again like I mean is it really that like you know crazy to say that if the Bucks had a good coach from the start of the year if maybe they had you know good injury luck right if you didn't have you know one point guard for a solid you know six week stretch there uh, and arguably you know having Brandon Jennings doesn't really <laughs> you might as well not have a point guard and you know you could argue given his struggles uh, of late um yeah i mean why not you know again i yeah. think we've talked about this before i mean is there is it really ridiculous to say this team couldn't win 50 games if you know, they had had, you know, certain things different starting with the head coaching situation. Um, no, not at all. And I think, again, like, that's what's so intriguing about this team going into next season. As much as, obviously, we know that the roster can be improved, um, you know, kind of like the, the mad scientist in me. Well, maybe not mad scientist. Maybe the, like, boring scientist in me, <laughs> like, would be curious just to see. Like, I mean, if you if you rolled it back and you ran it back with the same group of, of players more or less um, – like how different would they be, you know, with a new coach? I mean, it, it, if if the Bucks don't make any big changes, and we'll talk about Jabari Parker, because um, obviously he's a guy who's probably the center, the center, the, the main question as far as you know, does that guy come back? Um, you know, w- w- it's going to be a fascinating test of like how much better that that next coaching st- staff is, right? Yep. Uh, if that next coaching staff is sort of anything close to what the Bucks fans and and us are expecting you know in terms of being better than what they have had man you gotta you gotta get <laughs> I mean 50 wins like you 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 kind of be kind of bummed right if yeah you, absolutely five wins with with the situation this year and obviously a lot of young guys on this roster still you hope maybe some of the question mark young guys get better next year obviously um yeah you, you gotta you gotta hope for an even better squad so anyway um, I feel like we've been that was, was mystic just, <laughs> in the last like, minutes, so we should probably <laughs> shut up and move on to the next topic. I was
1: just going to say, that was Eric's brief... Uh, detour into optimism which is uh which is a strange place to be but um I, i don't know it's just kind of weird to to think about exactly how uh how people discuss this team and um it's always interesting to think about what it is zoomed in here very much in the forest and what it looks like uh from outside the forest uh so wanted to just jump on that real quick The thing we were going to talk about today, you mentioned another one of the things that we're going to talk about before we preview the Brooklyn Nets uh, and Brandon Jennings and his uh, quote-unquote multi-year deal. Uh, we will talk about that before we talk about our Brooklyn Nets preview, but today we were going to talk a little bit about Jabari Parker uh, and the comments that he made to Tim Bontemps uh, of the Washington Post, and obviously that became a story uh on, let's see, I'm trying to think what day this is. On Tuesday afternoon, um, that or Tuesday during the day, that story had dropped, and obviously that was something that I think a, a lot of Bucks fans ended up talking about, and really I, I thought the, the key quotes, I can try to knock those out here, but uh, in the story... Bontemps is talking a little bit with Jabari about his future and what to expect and then like the larger picture for the Bucks and how Jabari may factor into that or or how he may not factor into that. Um, And as they were talking about it, uh, he asked Jabari Parker about his future. And again, none of us know exactly the question that was asked. It is not on camera. This is all uh, a written piece. So we only have Jabari Parker's quotes uh, that are used in it also. This is where I would give a a disclaimer that sometimes when Jabari Parker talks, uh, the words aren't maybe exactly what you'd expect or
0: most times
1: maybe. Yeah. Maybe most times like it's Jabari Parker is just a strange quote. Um, and as I mean, this isn't the first time that we've talked about it. So this shouldn't, I don't, hopefully this doesn't come as a shock to anyone that we would say like, you know, sometimes Jabari is a weird quote and says stuff, uh, Either maybe not quite how you'd expect it, or, or maybe not how uh, societal norms would have it be said. Uh, so he, he's just trying to, kind of a strange quote. We've mentioned this many times before, but it is important to remember heading into this one. So Bon asked about his future. Parker told him, honestly, it's uncertain. I know that just looking from afar, the Bucks will be fine but I just have to see what's going to happen with my future, and that's uncertain. But I know for them, they'll be fine regardless. They've been doing well. That quote uh, is obviously problematic because Jabari Parker is still a member of the Milwaukee Bucks, and uh, he used the word they uh, three times there as he was talking about how they will be fine, um, whether or not he comes back to the Milwaukee Bucks the team that he is currently on. So that was, that was problematic. Uh, His other quote, you just have to be prepared, prepare for the worst. Anything can happen. I've seen it happen a lot of times. So I just would like to keep that mentality because you never want to be comfortable in this business. And again, I guess maybe there you could find a little bit of optimism as in, uh, as he talks through it, he says, you have to be prepared for the worst. And I would assume in this situation being prepared for the worst would be not returning. So he does see some positive, uh, aspect to returning to the bucks. Um, but still maybe not the, not the perfect relationship you would want, uh, Jabari Parker to have with the franchise as he heads in to the summer. Uh, so, we, got, we did not get to talk to Jabari after the game last night. Uh, we did get a chance to catch up with him today at practice. Um, and as Matt Velasquez uh, kind of asked him a question, one of the questions he responded to was uh, obviously a question from Matt about the article and the they comments and they'll be fine uh, and all of that. And Jabari said, that's how it was for me in the beginning, just looking afar and just seeing how great they are they've been good even without me hopefully it ends up in a good position for me where I come back and if it doesn't it's still going to be all right there's no love lost so again I I will throw the disclaimer in there about the way Jabari Parker says things but I do think that I think it's pretty clear that there is some sort of disconnect between Jabari Parker and the Milwaukee Bucks I I it's impossible to know exactly what said disconnect is. It's obviously been well reported at this point now that the Bucks offered three for 54 in contract extension talks before the C or let's see in October. Um, and they did not agree to a deal. And they've been kind of going on since then. They, they cannot negotiate during this period. They just have to get to the summer and then negotiate then. So that there's a little background information. Those are the quotes. Frank, what were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, well, I th- I think you know the the context of uh, the past year is important. You know, as you said, the the contract extension and whether that offer was, you know, h- how much Jabari cared about that offer. I don't know, right? I mean, was he insulted? I'm sure his obviously his agent did not consider it to be you know uh, sufficient for a, a player of Jabari's talents. Um, but I, I think it's really also just the longer history as well. I mean, the context of now four years of Jabari being on a team where, you know, it's pretty well documented at this point that Jason Kidd didn't really go out of his way to try to make things work with Jabari, seemed to make him a scapegoat. And again, it's not to make excuses for him that, you know, he was actually like a good defender or something like that. Cause <laughs> obviously um, he has had his share of issues, right? I mean, he, you know, we've talked about him struggling to become a guy who, you know, is a winning basketball player, you know, and, and again, it feels like a cliche, but I think it's very true in him, right? And, um, you know, I think what Jabari has observed is um, when he talks about they and, and doing fine without him, I mean, he's right. They've they've been fine without him. And, um, you know, we've seen flashes of obviously the value he can add, especially, you know, the, the luxury of having an explosive score off the bench is, is a big deal. But, again, I mean, I, I think a lot of the stuff that's happened in the past would probably be easy for him to kind of get over if not for the fact that after everything that's happened you know he's finally back he's showing obviously flashes of that ability that he's always had but he probably feels like man I'm 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 still an outsider I'm still a bench guy you know even though he has played I mean you know you said the other day like oh playing spot minutes well he's not playing spot minutes right I mean yeah. he's, he's playing a lot more than that but um, but for a guy who obviously has always been supposedly you know destined for stardom um it's probably pretty humbling right and and obviously coming back from an injury maybe gives him a little bit more patience but um you know i i I think a lot of the the frustration that you can detect is i mean it's it's valid it's because yeah we don't know if he's going to be a part of this team we don't know if the bucks can get him at a price that makes sense and um again i I imagine if jabari felt like he was going to be a starter and a 30 minute per game guy and you know a key part of this team The contract stuff probably wouldn't really bother him as much because it would sort of just take care of itself. But um, right now, I mean, kind of everything is a question mark, you know, whether it's the contract, whether it's where he's going to play, his role. You know, is he going to be a starter and a key guy or is he a sixth man next year in Milwaukee, right? Um, it's, uh, It's a lot of uncertainty and probably a humbling and difficult experience for a guy who, you know, again, obviously wants to be more than that.
1: Yeah, thinking about uh, just another quote he had from today when he was asked if the you know the hope, the goal is to come back to Milwaukee, he said, yeah, it definitely is a hope. I never really wanted to leave in the first place. The summer was kind of tough on me when I was going through my contract extension, but you know, you've got to move on, and hopefully it ends in a good place. So I do think there is probably some hope from Jabari Parker that, that he does come back, and I think what you brought up there is a really interesting point, and I guess as i as i start to think through the the priorita- prioritization of Jabari Parker in getting him his minutes back like when you think through all the ways that both Jabari and Chris have come back in the past it was always yeah we got to get them into the starting lineup we got to get them comfortable yeah. they're a big part of our future so we need need to make sure that that we can get them back to where they need to be and there, there's never once been a time where we've heard Joe Pronti say, you know, you got to find a way to balance getting Jabari Parker back in the lineup, and we have to uh, balance making this playoff run. It, it hasn't been that. It's been the playoff run, right? It's always been focused on finding a way to win. And, again, those are just public statements said to us, the media, who ask these questions. But at the same time, there was never – No matter how real or fake those words are, there was never even just a front put up that, yes, it is very important to us that we get Jabari Parker back in the starting lineup. That is something that we need to do. Like when he came back, it wasn't, you know, we got two months to get him integrated into the starting lineup and, and get him there. It was just, yeah, we we're trying to get him back and get him back into flow. And that just hasn't been a priority. And uh, I think it's important to note that Tim Bontemps released this story on Tuesday, but he asked after a practice and that practice, since Bontemps is based out of the Bay Area, it would have been before Jabari had uh, started like it had started to get those more minutes like where he had 39 minutes and where he had 30 minutes, uh, in these last two games. So it would have been before that. And, and I do think it, it,
0: it, it was probably, it was probably right after his one out of 12 shooting game correct. against the Clippers. Right. So also it's, not great timing. If you want to catch a guy in a good headspace.
1: correct. So I think that is all important to this conversation as well. But I do think what you hit on there is really big. Just that, he's had to go through a huge adjustment in that when he first came here, he was the guy. He was the face of the franchise. He was the one that would save basketball in Milwaukee, right? And they get the number two pick in a, a draft that everyone thought was great uh, with that one, two, three of Wiggins and Bede and Jabari. And then he, get, he t- t- tears his ACL and then while he tears his ACL, oh, there's this other guy. So when the Bucks unveil new jerseys, it's him and Giannis standing side by side, right? It's not, just, it's not just Jabari in the jersey. It's not Jabari just on the billboards. It's Giannis and Jabari. So he's moved from 1 to 1A and 1B with Giannis. And then as he tears his ACL again, in that time, Giannis had already gone to number one but after he tore his acl maybe chris had moved to number two and then you add in eric bledsoe maybe he had moved to number three and this isn't a i don't think at any point this season anyone within the organization um whether that's through minutes or through opinions they've expressed publicly have thought or expressed yeah this is a, a one situation with Giannis, and then a. Two A, two B, and two C with Chris, Eric, and Jabari. No, that that hasn't been the case. If anything, it's maybe a two A and two B with Chris and Eric, and then a clear number three in Jabari Parker. So he's in his time, he's moved from one to four on the pecking order. Uh, his team will not offer him more than three years and fifty four million when the first pick of the draft, Andrew Wiggins, who might not be a better basketball player than Jabari Parker, got <laughs> it's so bad for for Minnesota. Like it's a, he he got a max contract and if you look below with Joel Embiid, he got a max contract. Granted there's a, a number of stipulations for his heart, health put well, into those. He
0: deserves it. He's he's actually that good. Totally yeah. agree.
1: But when you put that together, uh in front of him, you have someone that may not be a better basketball player than him. And below him, you have someone who had similar injury concerns. So if you're Jabari Parker and you see those guys both above and below you, you have to be thinking they got maxes and maybe this is the, the miles Plumley four for 52 corollary. Uh, but <laughs> if you see those contracts go out, you have to be thinking to yourself, I'm with those guys. I was part of that draft class. I am that guy. And I just feel like he's had to go through a lot this year. Uh, a lot of, a lot of just kind of, seeing the reality of the situation unfold and kind of dealing with all of that to, from his role on the court to his pecking to where he is in the pecking order of this roster to how much money he's worth like there's just a number of things that have changed for Jabari Parker in his time here as a buck and I feel like all of that kind of all that it kind of comes to a head when you don't get the chance to start playing more and get into the starting lineup and do some more of those things.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't, I think sometimes like people try to play this card, like, Oh, Jabari like wants to be the man or he's like, you know, down, down in dumps that, that Giannis has, has become that guy. I don't think actually Jabari, I don't think it's a big deal for Jabari at all that, that Giannis has become this great player. I don't think Jabari's the kind of guy and like, you talk to people who've been around him. I don't think anybody has suggested to me that that's actually really a, a problem for him. Like, I don't, I don't think his mind really necessarily works that way. Um, but I agree. Like it's one thing to go from like, you know, Oh, you're going to be Batman to, you're going to be Robin. But I mean, again, he's not even starting. Right. And he's a guy that,
1: you know, Batman to Catwoman is like a whole nother step.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, he's like Alfred at this point. Um, you know, like I or <laughs> I don't even know who he is. Um but uh Commissioner Gordon, I don't I don't even know. Um but uh but I mean he's he's kinda you know again, I mean he, he hasn't even been consistently closing games. Like and that's tough, right? Yeah. I mean you know I mean if, if if you don't trust and again this is Joe Prenti as the head coach who's not gonna be the head coach next year, but um I mean this is like a pretty important thing. I mean if you're John Horst if you don't think Jabari Parker can close games for you with the rest of kind of your key guys uh, that you've got, I mean, why would you even offer him, you know, well, I don't want to make it sound like $54 million is is not a lot of money. That's a ton of money to offer a guy who your coaching staff apparently doesn't think, you know, consistently can close games. And I I kind of – I I get the concerns, right? Especially the defensive concerns yep. around him, um, and and the fit concerns, and the kind of too many ditch diggers sort of aspect of this. Like, do you really need you know another scorer when you've already got you know three guys who score a lot efficiently and are obviously much better defenders than Jabari? So, it, man, it is a really it is a really difficult spot. The Bucks are in a difficult spot. Jabari's in a difficult spot, um, and uh, it's frustrating. And I and I can understand why it'd be frustrating for everybody. Um, But again, I I think you know sort of trying to um, discern the signal from the noise here. I think you know Jabari wanting to be a star. I think that's kind of noise. I mean, again, I think he wants to be. I don't think he wants to be a role player, right? Which is understandable. Most ambitious NBA players who believe in themselves have no no you know interest in being role players unless you know sort of they've been kind of had to have a serious reality check. Um, so again, I, I, think there's sort of gradations to this, but I don't think it's necessarily that he's jealous of Jan or something like that. I think it's more just, man, I, he wants to be a part of something and, yep. oh, you know, he's seen this team succeed without him. You know, when, when he's been with this team, I mean, they've gone to the playoffs when he has not been around and when he has been around and, and been around at the end of seasons, the season, they haven't made the playoffs. So, um, you know, he, he, he's kind of right. They have been fine without him. And, you know, fortunately this is now a chance for him to actually show in the playoffs that, that he can actually contribute to to a winning team and and you know maybe even a team that, that pulls off an upset. So it's tough, but let me let me ask you this. I mean, if you're John Horst, would you now or would you have gone out and said, hey, Joe Prenti, you're gonna go start Jabari Parker? Or I mean, knowing what we know about the fit and, you know, bouncing of this roster and these lineups, would you have said Hey, I, I get it. Yeah, he probably is a bench guy right now.
1: I think the man. That's wow. <laughs> that's a really tough question because it all depends. I guess for me, how far apart are are we? Like, where are we in this discussion? Like, is there a chance that we can we can still convince you uh, that? you are uh, maybe worth not quite as much as you think. And there's a chance that we can get you that contract and making you a little bit happier maybe helps out. Like I, the the politics of that entire decision seem really difficult. Um, but at the same time, I, I think everything I've seen from Jabari Parker suggests that uh, he might be best in a six man role. Yeah. And who would I be? Uh, and I understand that there's a level of distrust between Jabari Parker and this coaching staff because of all the things that happened under Jason Kidd. So so I can get that. Uh, but And I'm sure he wouldn't want to hear from an interim coach. Sorry, I know he's not an interim coach. He's the head coach. But uh, a lame duck coach where... I don't, I don't, I don't need to trust you. Like, why should I buy into this six man role? Uh, so I I just think it's, it's kind of an impossible situation. And I don't know that just throwing Jabari Parker into the starting lineup really does much of anything for you, right? Like we, we talked about how good the offense has been earlier. Uh, the offense has been fine. Um, Uh, from time to time they they've had bad starts which is but that's been a little bit better as of late there was probably what like a week or two weeks where that was a somewhat consistent problem but they're largely out of that problem now and i just don't know what how you could convince the rest of your team like i think at some point you kind of have to wonder like is it worth losing five guys for gaining this one guy back uh to to satisfy him and put him in the starting lineup i don't know if that it would be as especially when i don't know if that guy needs to be in the starting lineup i don't know if he he ultimately will be in the starting
0: lineup yeah I, it's it's interesting i mean i was just looking at some of the lineup data and i mean it's it's pretty thin but um you know jabari Giannis, bledsoe and middleton they've only played 129 possessions together this year um, they've scored 116 points per 100, given up 111 points per 100 uh, via cleaning the glass. So plus five net rating, which is obviously good. You know, you'll yeah. that's, that's that's fine. You know, it's not gangbusters, but um, you know, it's not like it's not like again, especially over a small sample, it's not like we've seen some some just horrendous data that would make you say like, oh god, that could never work. Um, so yeah, I mean, to me, to be honest, it's one of those things. Like, I mean, I I've been of the opinion that you know, Snell should have just continued to start given his defensive versatility and his floor spacing. Um, but honestly, like, I mean, if you're, if you're Joe Prunty and you've gotten to the point of, you know, starting Jason Terry, um, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, what are, what are, what are we, I mean, again, and jet jet has been a plus minus darling here over the last couple months. um, him and Bledsoe, like a lot of the best lineup combinations, have featured Bledsoe and and uh, Terry, and and uh, not because they necessarily play together together a ton, but it's just sort of the way it has worked out. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Part of me is kind of gets the the idea of like, well, if if you're entertaining this as part of your future, um, you might as well let it ride and see how it works. Uh, and and again, I think if you do start, you know, Giannis and Jabari together and, and Middleton, you know, I think you want to obviously figure out a way to stagger them pretty quickly. So, (laughs) you know, you're you're not going to play all those guys, you know, the first eight minutes of quarter, or something like that. You're going to pull, you know, probably one of Jabari or Giannis, you know, within, you know, sort of the first half of the first quarter and then bring them back late in the first quarter. Obviously, we see them do that a lot with Giannis in order to get Jabari in the game. And then they bring Giannis back late in the first for Middleton so that they kind of start that staggering pattern. So, um, again, I mean, you can still do staggering, obviously, even if you start Jabari um so the big thing to
1: you would be seeing like if this is really going to be a part of your future and you are going to spend money on jabari parker like you actually have to test it out
0: yeah i think that's kind of what i feel like i mean again and i mean it it'd be one thing if they didn't start them but um they played them a lot otherwise but 100 129 possessions that's just just not a lot right and i i didn't even you know include henson because that that is even thinner i think the the current starting five with Jabari subbed in for you know either Snell or or, or Terry or whatever. I mean that group has only played forty six minutes, um, and I mean they're actually plus eleven net rating. Um, ironically, ninety three point five offense, which is terrible, but eighty two point six defensive rating. So you know again, small sample, just randomness there. So um, see, so yeah, I don't know. I can see the argument. You know, like, you know, especially when they were struggling um and struggling to start games well maybe that would have been the time you know to throw jabari into starting five and just say hey maybe this will work right yeah. um and and at a minimum we you know we it, it, worst case scenario we kind of confirmed to ourselves that jabari doesn't make sense with these guys but um obviously you know the data isn't isn't particularly conclusive on that front i think in principle i can certainly see the argument why I'd, Jabari Parker's best role on this team is as a six man, but um, by the same token, I think, you know, again, um, he's also not a six man who's been closing every game. So, you know, in terms of like the spectrum of trust and, you know, valuing him, you know, it's, you know, on the one extreme is you start him and you close with him and he plays, you know, 30 to 35 minutes. That obviously hasn't been happening. Kind of the in-between is maybe you bring him off the bench, but you still let him close. That's happened some but not a ton uh and then obviously kind of more the reality of what we're seeing is he doesn't start and he usually doesn't finish either and obviously you can understand as a as a competitor and somebody who believes in themselves well that's that's pretty frustrating you know i'm not a starter Mm -hmm. not a finisher um yeah i'm i'm an outsider
1: i feel like largely the entire thing makes sense right like from the bucks perspective i can understand not being in love with Jabari Parker's game uh, and I, I can understand maybe not playing him as much as, as they have also I think from Jabari Parker's standpoint I can understand being mad about that and I can understand being mad about not getting uh, the money that, that I thought I deserved and uh, I just think it, it was kind of startling to see Jabari actually say that if that makes any sense like he For him to come out and say, "Yeah, I, I haven't," he kind of started on. I mean, I shouldn't say it started on Sunday because the timeline of this would be that it started on Thursday. But for him to say this uh, last Thursday to Tim Bontemps, and then on Sunday uh, to talk about you know not being happy with the spot minutes, like all of it to me, I I guess kind of makes sense. And um, it'll it's going to sort itself out this summer. I don't know how it's going to sort itself out this summer, uh, but. It will at some point, so uh, we'll kind of see where all of that goes. Anything else you wanted to add, Frank? No,
0: I'm jabari out for now.
1: Okay, sounds good. We'll move on to something that I know you want to talk about, Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings signs on for the rest of this season, and in doing so, signed a multi-year contract. Um, I would assume that his agent would love for you to know that it's a multi-year contract. And I assume the Bucks would like you to know that his second year is non-guaranteed, right? That would be the way that both of those sides would probably prefer for that to be reported.
0: Yeah. And you know, typically sort of these late season, quote unquote, multi-year deals um, tend to be exactly this, right? Um, basically, you get the guy in a non-guaranteed deal for the next year and um really the big variable which we don't know is you know what's the guarantee date on that um yep. you know the the most flexibility is uh that there's no guarantee until January 10 when when all contracts become guaranteed um but the you know probably more preferable thing if you're um a player is well it'd be nice to know before training camp if I'm actually going to you know make this roster right um if uh, you, you know, probably you, you, a bad scenario uh, if you're a veteran player who wants you know some uh, predictability and, and ability to know where you're going to be is uh, to you know go through a, uh, a camp with a team and then get cut on the last day, right? I mean, look at Gerald Green and Brandon Rush and okay. all those guys the Bucks had last fall. They don't have guaranteed contracts; they get waived, um, you know, on cut day at the end of preseason. And um, yeah, I mean, even Gerald Green, who clearly should have been on the Bucs team who clearly was talented enough to be a Milwaukee buck this year, um, spent like a couple months just hanging out in Houston, his hometown and just shooting in his driveway. Um, so that's a tough spot. So maybe not clearly
1: talented enough. I mean, he's better (laughs) than Deandre Liggins. I get it, but he's also, has yeah, well,
0: let's say that the bucks were not the only team to make the mistake of, you know, not being that Gerald green had something left in the tank, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, so I think that is interesting, you know, to kind of—and again, I, I don't know at this point when Jennings' guarantee date is, but certainly, um, you know, if it's in, like, August, then that would mean the Bucks would have to figure out, you know, by then, like, hey, okay, is Brandon Jennings going to be part of this roster? Um, and again— it, that would still give them time, right. If they were going to make a move and, and get rid of one of their point guards, for instance, um, then they would have some time to figure that out before maybe having to make a decision on, on whether they're actually going to have Brandon Jennings on this roster. Because I mean, you know, if you, again, kind of run it back with th- the guys currently on the roster, you've got Bledsoe, So uh, Brogdon, obviously. Um, I mean, do you need Brandon Jennings? You know, no. uh, I, I don't think that's necessarily very clear. Do you need four guys who can play point guard uh, on an NBA roster? I, I don't think that's clear at all. So, um so again, I, I would say the Nonger team makes sense. It's opportunistic. The Bucks basically have, you know, effectively a, a, an option to to have him or, or not next year. And obviously, you know, it's a nice little story for uh, you know, those of us who who can be nostalgic, not that I was sad to see Brandon go the first time, but I have to say I I'm rooting for him. You know, I mean obviously he's a Buck, so I want him to do yeah. well. But, um, but I, I would love it if he earned his keep and you know did something to to really you know deserve to come back and and again whether he actually had a role. You know, the question is he going to be on this roster? That's question one. It, question two, even if he's on this team, you know, does he actually have a role? when, you know, okay. if if Rogan and and Dalvadova around as well, that's that's obviously another big question. But, um, in the meantime, obviously you know. We will see. Uh, obviously, he's been hit or miss, as Brandon usually is. Uh, <laughs> had a couple of good games from him uh, since he came back, and, you know, maybe that's that's about as much as we could ask for.
1: I mean, I, I thought it, it was pretty much a guarantee to me that he was going to get signed for the rest of this year just because, yeah. I mean, they wouldn't... Yeah. Like one what else are they going to do? And two, if you do something else, that player is not playoff eligible. Or there's a, certainly a a very good chance that that player is not playoff eligible unless you sign someone else from China maybe. Yeah. Um like that would be the only other way that you could get someone that would be playoff eligible. So once he had spent that time in the system, like there was just no way that that they weren't going to sign him and then like kind of like you said, like this is the norm. You you sign it to a multi-year deal and they're able to feel comfortable that through the summer they have someone, hopefully uh, they have, they have, a, they have an organization to be with. They have facilities to work out in. Like they have all of those things. Um, but, most of the time, they're not guaranteed, and that was exactly what happened here. So I, I don't think any of it really caught me by surprise. Um, I don't think it says anything about when uh, Matthew Dalvadova or Malcolm Brogdon are coming back, or a setback that either of them have suffered in the last week. Like I, I just think that it, it made the most. To me, it made the most sense. It, whether or not I like Brandon Jennings as a basketball player at this point in his career, like that's neither here nor there. It just made the most sense to fill out a roster uh, and to make sure that you had coverage leading up to the playoffs and maybe even in the playoffs. Like we don't, again, there's just a couple games left in the season and the Bucks. Don't have Malcolm Brogdon or Matthew Dellavedova on the roster quite yet. They're they're inching closer, but nothing uh, is totally concrete there. So I think I think it'll it again. It made sense to me, and also you never know if if you give Brandon Jennings one of those four minute stints in the playoffs, and in that four minutes in the second quarter, he hits two threes. That that paid for it. Right, like that—that that paid for the extra time. Like, if it could swing a playoff game, and even the slight, just the slightest win probability percentage, even a a point oh five positive swing in a playoff game—I mean, I, that would be huge. So, um, we'll kind of see. More,
0: more importantly, I mean, would anything be as full circle fun as Brandon Jennings returning to the Bucks? gets to 10 days, gets signed for the rest of the season, makes the playoff roster. And then the bucks yes. and probably win a first round playoff series in six games. Yes. I mean,
1: yes. I
0: mean, w- can you imagine if, you know, I-, I can't imagine a more fun end. well, not end to the buck season, but a more fun sort of cap <laughs> to the buck season than <laughs> the bucks, you know, beating the Celtics or while whoever. the BC
1: does a bucks in six. In, chant. In, like, in yeah.
0: Game six game six the bucks close out their first round opponent at the Bradley Center it, yeah. you know w- with the it's question quite a story of,
1: you're telling Frank
0: with the with the question of is this the last game in in Bradley Center history right like because it's mm. you know the last home game of the first yeah. round um, and Brandon Jennings gets to be on the court in garbage time with the Bucks up 30 <laughs> uh, you know raising raising his arms to to get the the crowd to a champ bucks in six I mean that would just be I, I can't think of a more fun uh, playoff scenario than that uh it is also pretty much i don't want to say impossible but uh it is very improbable but you know dream the impossible dream
1: the good news is here we can cut this audio and we'll have it ready to go for when it does happen so we we're all we're all ready to go a great prediction there from frank madden all right uh bucks nets tonight say it with me everybody the nets are a bad basketball team the Nets' offensive rating is uh, 23rd, defensive rating is 25th. Uh, the Nets are a team that the Bucks have struggled with in the past. Uh, Kenny Atkinson has his team running all over the floor, shooting threes, and generally just being a thorn in the Bucks' side as they try to attempt to switch or they attempt to overhelp and then recover and run out and... Uh, have bad closeouts like all of that tends to be a problem so we'll see Uh... And
0: then let's be clear i mean in the two games so far this season the bucks won by 25 and the bucks won by 15 and that was before they stole tyler zeller yep from the nets so um you know again the bucks have obviously we've you know talked about the bucks not taking care of business or, or not maybe dominating the way you would like um for most of you know forever but uh the nets have at least been a team that the bucks have taken care of Uh, they've taken care of them in in both games so far this year uh and this is the the only only played them three times this year so hopefully the first two were indicative of of what the third will be as well um the tiebreaker
1: will not matter with the nets the (laughs) tiebreaker
0: tiebreaker will not matter um but again also brooklyn is a team that you know i mean they're not tanking they they don't have their pick this year so um they have every incentive to uh to try to play hard and and win as many games as possible because they'd they'd probably rather not have Cleveland get a fairly high draft pick so um so yeah it'll be uh it'll be interesting you know bucks can just come out and do what what they should do, and um obviously they've done it twice so far this year, hopefully they do it the third time as well.
1: All right, that's going to be it for us for tonight. Uh, we we spent a little bit more time on all of those things other than the game, I think for obvious reasons. Uh, so we'll see if the Bucs can reward us for that or if we need uh, to spend a lot of time on the Nets and what they were able to do against the Bucks after the game. That is when our next podcast will be. For Frank, I'm Eric. We will talk to you after the game.